Lord have mercy. Okay, we're going to try this again. Next up is sunset. Sunset, you're up. Hi. Hi. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say, but just in case we have a Zoom issue, I'll just try to fix it and we'll keep moving on. Um, But I think we're okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sunflower is giving us important information. (laughs) The same thing happened in session earlier this week. Zoom acts weird sometimes. You know what? Zoom has always been so good to me and I don't know, maybe it's just an asshole now. Okay. Go ahead, Sunset. Um, so I, I'm, I'm new to this. Um, I'm also, um, a, a new attending and I'm having like a lot of imposter syndrome and like negative self-talk that I feel like is like bleeding into like opinions about me and like what I can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't really know. I don't know how to get over that, like to get past the, the negative, like, like what you were saying earlier about like feeling bad, asking for help, but then needing help, but not wanting to be judged by my partners for asking them to help. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. This is so good. And I'm really, really happy that you're bringing this up. Um, Can you give us an example of something that's happened recently where this has come up as an issue? Like maybe a case or a clinic, something or another? I mean, I feel like it comes up more often than I would like it to. Like even just, you know, seeing someone in clinic for something pretty like general and... Um I'm so um, sorry I am interrupting you. My daughter is screaming. Can you hang on just a uh, second? Of hang course. So of sorry. Course. I am so sorry, um, Sunset. My daughter just chipped her tooth and she freaked out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I would be no. freaking out too. So <laughs> Yeah, but my husband's dealing with it. So, um, okay. Is there an example? So I guess I can come up with one and it's like a recent patient that I saw in clinic mm-hmm. um, for like a very general surgery issue. Um, like he has an inguinal hernia. I need to fix it. I initially planned it to do it robotically, which is like, honestly, what I'm most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got sarcoidosis and his pulmonologist is like, if he gets intubated, he may never get extubated. He's not currently on oxygen. So I don't really understand all of that thinking. So I talked, I was able to talk with one of my partners who's like, do it on the spinal with Presidex, but like, understand that if you do it with the spinal, you only have like, you know, maybe 90 minutes to get the whole thing done. So like, don't do it as a teaching case. And I'm like, but I don't know, like if, I mean, I probably can get it done in that time, but like, I don't know if I, I need a teacher, like, but then I feel like weak 
asking for help or like making sure that someone is around to like pop in the room and make sure things are going okay. Like I should be able to do this. I shouldn't have to ask for help, but I also don't want to be in a situation where I'm operating on somebody and they're, I mean, he's going to be on, you know, like Presidex or something, but like awake and their anesthesia is no longer working. Like I just, I'm already having nightmares about it. (laughs) Yeah, there, this is juicy. This is so juicy. So um, (laughs) thank you for bringing it because every time somebody comes and shares this type of an experience, it is really indicative of something that is going on in many people's lives. Um, And so one of the benefits of um, this particular coaching program is that there's the possibility for asynchronous consumption of the content. So even when we, you know, don't, we, we may have like five or 10 people on, there are 45 people that could listen asynchronously. So I'm saying this not for sunset, but really for everybody to know that it is generous when you come here and you share these things with people. It is generous because we're all just trying to learn, trying to get skills and trying to move forward in our own lives to get to a better place. Um, So thank you. Anyway, I'm going to put the soapbox thing away and then, okay, so you're new. You said, have you learned the model? Is that for me? I I was able to like watch one I not I don't I'm not really familiar no. Okay, no problem. I'm going to set that up for you. We have Paw Patrol here who says um hi Sunset, you are verbalizing what all new attendings feel. I got to go put my kids to bed. But Jess, if Sunset is a general surgeon, give her my contact and tell her she can reach out to me to mull over cases smiley face. Thank you Paw Patrol. If I only know who you actually are. So if you could just message me your true identity, that would be so amazing. And then I can put you guys. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. All right. So the model is an awareness tool and it's an effective awareness tool to help us kind of just first understand what the fuck is happening in our own brains. Okay. Okay. So what we do is we start with the circumstance, which is hernia, sarcoidosis. Holmes says no intubate. Partner says 90 minutes in spinal with Presidex. And you're thinking something that, I mean, so humans have like 60,000 thoughts a day Surgeons probably have more than that. That's my guess. Um, So it's not like you have like one thought at a time. It's usually like thought vomit that comes. So you're having all these different thoughts about this. Right. But if we could just choose one, like one that's particularly upsetting, like you mentioned a few, but you know, what of any of this or what's the feeling you have that's so unpleasant? I think the feeling of like being a fraud. (laughs) Okay. So like to the patient, to my partners, you know, like all of it just. Okay. So that's the thought, like I'm a fraud. And when you think that, how do you feel? Uh, Shitty. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
like scared I guess yeah um, it's fear anxious nervous so what ends up happening is is we have these circumstances in our lives everybody's having them it's just the data we encounter on a daily basis and the purpose of the human brain is to process information and keep us safe so your brain takes in all this information and it just starts kind of computing in order to create a story around this thing so that you can be safe and the way to keep you safe in this instance is for you to think that you're a fraud so that you will be afraid and then not do the thing right okay so that Mm -hmm. this is all just like normal human stuff so our thoughts create our feelings our feelings and drive our actions and the actions here are we ruminate usually yeah Okay, we'll get back to that in a second, but what else? So you're like uh, questioning if you can do it. Mm-hmm. This is where we're actually, so we'll talk about ruminating now. Ruminating is an action. And in the ruminating, we're, act- we're actively thinking things that are generally fairly abusive towards ourselves. Like, um, you know, I can't do this. I can't ask for help. I'll look stupid if I ask for help. Like what, what's going on in your mind when this is happening? Oh yeah. All of that. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to end up having to call someone. They're going to think I'm an idiot because I can't do like a basic case without help. Like, the whole team in the OR is going to like roll their eyes at me and the patient is going to be awake to see it all. (laughs) Like the storm of, it's like like the perfect storm of terrible outcomes. Yeah. Oh, of course we're going to think that the worst possible thing is going to happen. Yes. Okay. So this is really important, and this is kind of what I was alluding to with the first person we were talking to, is when you can identify these things, and these are just nothing more than obstacles for you getting shit done, and once we can itemize what it is that we ruminate about, we can start to then dissolve our fear by looking at those things and just asking this little query, is this true? Is this useful? Right. That's a skill. That's just a skill we learn to do instead of kind of like spinning out in this sort of default programming that we all have. There's nothing wrong with you, by the way. This is what everybody <laughs> goes through. I'm serious. And even people who are like 10 years in or 15 years in still, we still worry about the same stuff. Um, there was somebody, I don't want to get off track. I have, I'm like a squirrel. I have a tendency to get off track. So let me stay focused. So what else do you do when you're afraid of this? When you're thinking I'm a fraud and you feel afraid. Or anxious. I mean, then, then I like, don't ask for help. Yes. <laughs> Which is actually dangerous. Yeah. What else? Do you worry? I mean, yes. (laughs) That's like an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can see here when we lay this, this awareness tool allows us to just see 
the moving parts of any given moment, and then also how draining it all is. It's not a problem that it's happening. It's a problem when we get stuck here. And it's just like we are, it's like getting tossed around in the laundry. You, it's, it's like, we don't have an off ramp to kind of get out of this sort of like spin cycle of thinking I'm a fraud, feeling shitty, and then thinking all this reinforcing shit to confirm that I'm a a fraud. Because that ends up being what happens is, is you just prove to yourself that you're a fraud. So this stands for um, circumstance, which triggers a thought, thoughts, career, feelings, feelings, drive our actions and actions then kind of like culminate in a result, which is you prove you're a fraud. Yeah. You're not a fraud. This is all a fabrication of your brain, but it, it basically, you're just proving it to yourself. So our thoughts are descriptive and they become prescriptive. Um, let me take a picture of this because then I can post it in the room one Facebook page. If you want to review it later. Um, okay. So then now what we want to do is when we're faced with something like this and we're in this really stressful kind of mindset slash body set, when we're just stressed and anxious, it's really hard to access the parts of the brain that are strategic. So in order to activate those parts of the brain, a very easy pathway to do that is just to regulate your nervous system. We go on and on and on about this stuff. And that's where all that like meditation and breathing and singing and humming and physiologic size and tapping and walking and blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff is geared at regulating your nervous system, which then allows other parts of your brain to come on board so that you can be very strategic in the way you're going to tackle any situation. So let's assume that has happened and that you're nice and regulated and we'll do that now. So we're going to keep the circumstance exactly the same. And now we're going to just say, okay, what is like the ultimate win? Like if you had a magic wand, oh my gosh. Paw Patrol. You're hilarious. She's laughing. She says her name. So I will, I know who she is now. I'm going to put you guys in contact with one another. She's fantastic. Great. Great. Um, okay. So what we're going to do now is try to figure out a way after the fact to be strategic about it. So okay. if there were any result you would want, what would that be? Or if there was any feeling you would want to feel or any thought you would want to have, you can pick any of them. I think like result would be if I can get through it, even if I have to ask for help, but I think once I'm like on the other side, it will obviously be better. So yeah, getting to the case, not having something bad happen, having the patient like safe and recovering well, that would be ideal. You want a safe and successful surgery. Yeah. That's like a home run. Yes. Okay. So what I'm doing here, I don't know if you can see the board or not, but we're going to use this and we're going to work backwards. So now okay. know this is the win. The win is a safe and successful surgery home run. Now we can just say, all right, well, what do I actually need to do to have a safe and successful surgery? So I think the best thing is like just, I mean, being prepared for all of it. 
So obviously like going even back to basics, like reviewing the anatomy and reviewing the steps of the procedure. Um, I already did let anesthesia know that the patient was coming in and there's a plan from them. So like, I do feel like at least that is better understood. So we are all on the same page um, going into it. Um, I guess also being prepared by letting one of my partners or whoever's in the hospital know like, Hey, I'm doing this case. If I like begin to struggle, are you available to just pop in so that I don't have to like explain the whole thing to them while I'm in the middle of the case? And they just know like, Hey, if, if she's calling, then I need to go in and check. And what would be the harm in just planning to have it be a two surgeon surgery? Do you guys have your practice set up that way? Yeah. Um, and I probably could have done that, but I think the partner that I asked didn't really seem interested. And so then I got like, you know, a little bit hesitant about asking somebody else to help. Okay. Especially for something that's like relatively basic. I, I think what worries me is like the whole spinal anesthesia and the patient being awake. Like, otherwise it's a routine procedure that I can do. Yeah. So it feels, again, it goes back to that feeling of like, oh my gosh, she can't even do this procedure on her own, you know? But that's not really the point of this. Of course you can do a hernia. They wouldn't have let (laughs) let you out of surgery school if you couldn't do a hernia. (laughs) I know. That's not not really the question though, is it? No. This is a special patient with a special circumstance of having shitty lungs And with some other lung expert, certainly not me, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So, you know, I don't fucking know shit about the lungs. It's like, if the pulmonologist says this guy should not be intubated, I would do everything in my power to make sure he was not going to be intubated. Now, of course, in surgery, there's no guarantee. Right. But you can make every plan, every contingency plan. And not only is it possible to do it like that, it's your responsibility to do it like that when you know there is this other thing on the chart. And so this other guy who comes in is like, "Mm, you know, whatever, doesn't want to help. His opinion doesn't matter. Right. He, he's not the patient's doctor. That's true. Yeah. It's just an alternative way to look at it. I mean, you're the boss, you're in charge and somebody who is the leader of the surgical team. None of us get any training in leadership of the surgical team, by the way. Um, no. <laughs> but being the leader of the surgical team, or imagine this guy was your dad and your dad had sarcoidosis and is like, even if you disagreed with the pulmonologist in his recommendation, because the guy's not on the oxygen, but if right. his pulmonologist is like, you know, I really don't think your dad should be intubated for this procedure. What would you expect? Back the surgeon to do right make every plan to do the home run and maybe that involves having a co-surgeon and maybe it doesn't but the point is is that you're in charge right okay that is true so maybe we can put in the action line is just be the leader whatever that looks like 
be the leader of the surgical team. Okay. How would you need okay. to feel to do those things? Um, uh, calm. Okay. Um, logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess like, um, confident. Yeah. Whoops. I can't spell. What else? I'm looking for like that home run feeling because our feelings are super, super good fuel for our actions. And I don't disagree. You need to feel calm and you need to feel logical and you need to, well, I don't think you actually need to feel confident. Confident comes <laughs> with executing these things. You'll feel confident afterwards. Right. You don't need to feel confident ahead of time, which is a funny thing. One of the feelings that I think is so powerful is um, it's like related to determined. It's like that. It's like that feeling that describes um, just getting it done no matter what. Right. Um, so what's that? I'm trying to think of what that uh Maybe it is determined. I don't know. But it's like that. No. So the thought then is I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes to execute a safe, successful surgery. That's a powerful thought because what it does, uh-oh, I think we lost her. Did we lose her? Shit, Zoom? Zoom is being such a jerk right now. So anyway, I'm going to keep talking because we're almost done anyway, but hopefully Sunset can look at this after the fact and see that a strategic way to approach this is to have this thought, I'll do whatever it takes to execute a safe and surgical, excuse me, a safe, successful surgery. And what that does is it gets us out of our own head, worrying about what other people think about us. It really like externalizes the focus. Here she is. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> did you get Zoomed? I don't know what I did. <laughs> I think Zoom is being a jerk tonight. Okay. <laughs> So what I was saying was, I just wrote this thought down. I didn't, we're kind of running short on time anyway, but um, I just wanted to offer this to you. It's like a thought here that could be very effective is I'll do whatever it takes to execute a safe and successful surgery. And the reason why I think it's so powerful is, is because it is, it externalizes your purpose. It externalizes to what's best for this patient. And it gets the focus off you and what people think about you. Right. Fun byproduct of operating like this. And all this ends up being is like a little plan for you to repeat over and over and over again. The skill is just, re is just coming back to it. And every time you come back to this strategic plan that we outlined, your, your brain is making new neurons connect. And so it makes it more likely that you'll be able to get to this easier. You have more flexibility moving away from 
the first model we outlined. So it's really beautiful. But then okay. really the confidence comes, Kelly put like a meme or something up recently about this on our webs on our Facebook page. Confidence is the byproduct of work and work is reps over time. And all this is, is a rep. Okay. It's a yeah. rep. You're just doing hernia surgery and a guy with a comorbidity that requires more planning than a typical hernia. And that's a rep to execute. And when you do that and you learn from that and you take it all in and you make it a part of your surgical repertoire, you, you get confidence as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing I wanted to say is a little bit of imposter syndrome is actually a good thing. And so often it kind of, we go off the rails with it and it becomes very consuming, but it is a good thing in a way that keeps us mindful. It kind of keeps ourselves in check. There's somebody who says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It might be ice cube. I don't know. But imposter syndrome is kind of like that. It's like gives us an opportunity to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And that's actually something that could be used as a tool to help improve patient safety. Because there are people out there who probably need a dose of imposter syndrome who are just doing stuff and can get reckless or get mean or get, you know, like entitled or whatever. So it's not entirely bad. It only becomes bad when it's like paralyzing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Okay. So what questions can I answer for you? No, I mean, I think this is like a good, um, you know, like thought process to go back and see, you know, this is how you feel when you first come, you know, come across something that you're not sure of or Mm-hmm. nervous about or scared of, but that you can turn it around and make it something so that you're better prepared for whatever's coming your way. Yes. There's always a pathway to strategy and the, um, from the first model we did is called the default model. Mm-hmm. All the things that we ruminate on This goes for you in this example and all of us when we're ruminating. Pay attention to what you're ruminating about. That gives you your list of things that you can just have an inquiry. And so yours where I can't do this. So let's just do an inquiry in our last few few minutes. Is that true? No. No, it's not (laughs) even true. And it's not useful. Okay. They'll think I'm an idiot. Is that true? Probably not. You said, I'll have to call someone and they'll think I'm an idiot. I don't think they would think I'm an idiot. I think they would like understand that I'm just, you know, having a moment of anxiety and nervousness and doing the right thing by calling for help rather than getting tunnel vision into like, keep doing what I'm doing and it's not progressing and things aren't going well. And yeah. Calling for help is the opposite of being an idiot. It's the opposite. So not only is this untrue and unhelpful, it's like the exact opposite. (laughs) And then people will roll their eyes. 
Well, people roll their eyes all the time. Who the hell knows what they're rolling their eyes? So that that might be true, but it's not useful. It's not. (laughs) No, it's not. And so then it's like, well, shit, I roll my eyes all the time. I mean, I'm surprised I don't have a headache right now. I roll my eyes so much. Is that even a problem that people roll their eyes? No. I don't know. It's not really a problem. Um, so do you see how we can go through that? And we just have this tiny little inquiry around these things and it just dissolves everything. It's like, oh, huh. All right. Well, my brain just kind of wanted this to be scary and I totally understand why, but we can dissolve it by, by just like punching these thoughts in the face. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. That was so good. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. All right, guys. Well, I'll get this loaded up and we'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. Bye.